0: Michael, why are we here?
1: Uh, to know God more deeply, to have assurance and uh, eternal life, to become more equipped for the ministry. ministry. Yeah, and
0: nothing makes us more equipped for ministry than being obedient mm-hmm. in all things. Right? In fact, in, in Peter, it talks about um, that we're all given gifts and that we are to use those gifts for the edification of the church. And so that's something that, one of those things where a lot of times, uh, within a within a church, a big church body, sometimes it's hard for people to find a place to plug in to serve. So it takes a little effort. Okay, so the quiz, which y'all took a long time ago, but I'm sure you remember it. So, uh, uh, Kimberly, can you start with that one? Excuse <laughs> me. True, right? True. Okay, true. Yeah. Good. Number two.
2: The real issue in obedience is whether we love God. True.
0: Yeah, right. What is the verse for that? Do you know?
2: Uh, John. I know it's in John. Where if you love me, keep my keep my commandments.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Good.
1: Michael. Jesus Christ's main concern on earth was to do the will of the Father. True. Right. Yeah. Good. Sheila.
2: A true believer can continually disobey the command of Christ.
0: False. False, right. But what happens? What would happen if a believer is in disobedience? Yeah. What would happen? Yeah, right? There's going to be some kind of discipline that comes from the Lord. In the church of in Cor- Corinth, when uh, Chris has been You know, maybe six months ago was in the first part. There, Uh, what happened sometimes to those believers that disregarded or dishonored the Lord's table? What was the penalty? Sick or died. Sick or died, right? Yeah, that's the chastisement of the Lord, right? That's disobedience. And so, um, yeah, that's a a believer. God is not going to leave a believer in continuous sin, like. number five, Kimberly. A Christian should view himself or herself as an unworthy slave of Christ. Right. So, question, uh, is everybody in the whole wide world a slave? Yes. Yes. To something. Right, we're a slave to something. And in a Christian vernacular, what are we a slave to?
2: Christ.
0: Christ, or, and if you're not a Christian, you're a slave of? Mm -hmm. Sin. Sin. That's it. That's it, right? And I think it a, there's, there's bond servants there's all these other things but from a Christian perspective it's people are slaves of sin or they're slaves of Christ yeah okay number six where did I leave all oh, Kathy.
2: as long as you mean to do right in your heart God will not hold you accountable for your actions False.
0: really you mean you gotta? Uh, you, you gotta do it. it you can't just think it. No, no, you're right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you're okay, right? No, okay. I thought maybe I read it wrong. No, you bad. read it I'm right. It's just me. well,
0: because people say, well, it's your, you know, it's the thought that counts. Yeah. Have you ever heard yeah, that? Right? Was, yeah. It's yeah. the thought that counts. So actually, no, it's the action that counts. Right? There's a the thought behind it, but it's the action that counts. Right? Okay, uh, Michael.
2: All
0: oh right. no! Go back. Sorry. Did I give you the answer already? You did. No.
2: It's okay. It's, <laughs> it's, it's okay. Man, wait. We got
0: this. No, <laughs> don't look at the. It's false,
2: true, false. Right. right. People... <laughs> Good. I'm getting nervous about that. Okay.
0: There you go, Michael.
1: The greatest commandment in the Bible is love your neighbor as yourself. Well. Well, you seen the answer? Did you see it? It's half true, but it's false.
0: Yeah. Well, the greatest. What did Jesus say is the greatest commandment?
2: Right. Love the with all
0: your heart. And then He said, "And the second is like unto it; it is to love your neighbor yourself." Good. Okay, Sheila. i should love his wife. Jesus Christ the church.
2: True.
0: Right. And where's that? Where's the verse? Where's the verse for that? Ephesians. Ephesians five twenty-five or six, right there. hmm Good. Uh, Kimberly. No member in the church has the right to command others. Rather, all members have the same authority. I'm not saying false And why would you say false? Because we don't all have the same authority. We have elders and different things. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Good. Good. Okay. Okay.
2: All governmental authorities are from God, true.
0: Really? What about? What about like? Or oh, what about the government of Iran?
2: From God, yeah. said it for his purposes. Communist Russia. China,
0: yeah, right? Yeah, it's true, right? And so people think about that sometimes. It's like, wow, well, that's just horrible, you know, God would institute that government and they would just, they're just mean and rotten. I mean, Saddam Hussein would just kill people willy-nilly, or right. what would be worse, though? What could be worse for a society? No government. No government at all when it's anarchy, right? Then everyone's killing everyone and there's no there's no fear of authorities at all, right? Yeah. So yeah, even a bad government is there by God to instill order within the society and it's for the benefit of the people. Even, even though the government has um, become a wicked entity, it still serves a purpose. Right? Not benevolent for sure, but... Good. Any questions on this? Anybody know the memory verse? You have five weeks to, to memorize it.
3: <laughs> and forget it.
0: That's what happened. You memorize it the first. You memorize October 18th, the last time. After that week, right? A long time ago. All right, here we go. Let's look at this. Uh, can you read that, Mike? And by this we
1: know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have comes to know him and does not keep his commandment, commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. First John 2
0: uh, 3-4 right. so so then what is the result of someone who has come to know the Lord?
3: We keep his commandments
0: we keep his commandments right and then the person who says that he does or he knows the Lord but doesn't keep his commandments what is he? a liar he's a liar right by the way, in the definition of, in First John, uh, when it talks about what is the liar, you know what, they, what, he, what he defines the liar as? The one who does not believe. The one who doesn't believe is the liar, right? And so, if Jesus says, if you love me, you keep my commandments, and a person doesn't keep commandments, then he doesn't love. And the second thing is, notice the word no, right? In, in Genesis, we look at that word and it says, and Eve knew, sorry, Adam knew his wife. That is a intimate relationship to know, right? And so when a person says, I have an intimate relationship with Christ but I don't do what he tells me to do. He doesn't have it, right? Yeah. Okay, any questions on this? So, you have about an hour to memorize it and <laughs> so write it on the, write it on the quiz. Okay. Any questions about the homework? No. Uh, did anybody listen to the message? Or was it a long time ago. Yeah. I
2: listened to last night, actually.
0: Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Any any highlights? Anything pop out that you just?
2: I think doing John twenty one about you know, got Christ had already you know raised from the dead and he goes to their, they're out fishing you know and mm-hmm. Jesus says you know come back and Peter sees him jumps out of the boat and run to see him. What I love about Battle you know, when Jesus said, Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? He comes in, yeah. But MacArthur was saying that that love was not like, like Peter knew that he that he didn't love God properly. Mm-hmm. So he was basically saying, Well, I love you a lot. But not with all my heart at that point, because he just truly didn't understand who Christ was. But that was so sweet. He said, But do you love me, Peter? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I really love you. But he wanted him to love him with all his heart. And then after all that mess up they did, when they got the boat, Jesus already prepared them a meal. Despite all that, and not loving him enough, he still fed them. Mm-hmm. I thought so, you know, he was saying that we can sin against God, but if we truly go to him in, in repentance, he'll take us back. Mm-hmm. I, it. I thought so, so. He goes, do you love you? I love you a lot. But he knew he could not say with all his heart because that was not Jesus would know it was a lie. Yeah. I've never heard it described that way.
0: Right. When he says, well, you know everything, Mm -hmm. he's Mm -hmm. describing he is ascribing to Jesus omniscience. He recognizes he's God. He knows everything. Mm -hmm. So he couldn't lie. He couldn't lie. He couldn't, you know, he's not there. And then, of course, (laughs) what what happened, you know, during the, you know, the trials with Peter?
2: He denied him three times. Denied
0: him three times. And so that was probably still hanging in his mind as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good, that's a good good message to pick up. Okay, so questions about the lesson, and we'll be able to answer these at the end. But can a Christian be can a person be a Christian and not be obedient to Christ?
2: No. Not
0: for a long period of time. I mean we yeah, all sin, right? So. We all fall short.
2: If we live in sin.
0: But you're living if you're in a continual state of sin. Let's say someone says, Well, I'm a believer and they're carrying on a four-year affair or whatever, we would say we we have something to talk about. Yeah, or you'll know them by their fruits, right? That's that's not the fruit of righteousness, so that would be a problem. Um, and then, how about how can we become more obedient to Christ? Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And then, what does it mean to decide your, to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Christ? Okay. So we'll, we'll look at that one too. Okay, so lesson outline: uh, there's the call to obedience. The uh, obedience marks a true believer, examples of, we'll look at examples of obedience and disobedience, uh, the promises and blessings of obedience, areas of obedience, our attitudes towards obedience, and its application. Do we not have
2: the note things?
0: Yeah, you do have it, but it's all in my book
2: right here. Oh, <laughs>
0: You do have it, but I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I like
2: those things. I didn't, didn't let them out. Like burst mapping.
0: Yeah. Here, I like that. Here we go. Yeah. Could you hand that out? Thank, thank you. Wait, wait. Not that one. There we go. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, today's like the first day. It's been so long, everything's like <laughs> out of order.
2: It says totally Out of routine. Just like you've been on
0: vacation. Just like I've been on vacation. <laughs> just like it. Yeah, that says 1022 on it. And yeah. the reason is because I upload the the typically what I hand out. And so I make a PDF copy of it. It was on my computer. So rather than just you know go to here, the the PowerPoint and print the same things. I already had the slides, so that's why it's dated 1022. 23. Oh, I mean, got
1: to
0: turn, got to right? <laughs> yeah. That's dated 19. So 19. Uh, 19 oh, 2022, 20, right? That's what. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's dated from a year ago. But no words have changed. So. Okay. No revisions? No revisions. All right. Let's look at the call. The call of obedience, right? No. And it is in in the call of obedience in the the law versus the new covenant. So, Sheila, can you read that one?
2: St. Corinthians 3, 5 6. not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our ad- advocacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not the letter, but the Spirit. The letter kills but the Spirit gives life.
0: Okay, so when we look at this, what are the three words you see here used uh, in, in describing us? There's Adequate, adequacy, adequate, right? And so, what does the, ad, what does adequacy even mean? What does that mean? Good enough. Good enough, having the, the requisite quality or resource a task, right? You say, you know, I need, Michael is adequate to drive this vehicle, right? You, you've got the requisite qualities and abilities and licenses and everything, right? So, so that means that we would have that. And then, where does our adequacy come from? From It comes from God, right? So we can't do it on our own? I guess not. Um, And then, what were we made adequate for? To be servants
3: of a new covenant.
0: To be servants, right? To be servants of a new covenant, right? So what is the difference? There's the old covenant, which are the, I should say there's the law, right? And is anybody able to fulfill the law? Jesus. Only Jesus, right? And then there's the new covenant, right? The new covenant in his blood, right? It's a covenant of forgiveness. But are we able to then fulfill the new covenant? Well, we are, but only because of God, who gives us the adequacy to do so, right? And then if we take that a little bit further, and we look at uh, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives light. And we look at that verse. Okay, I, I, I just have to ask about mm-hmm. the letter. What does it mean by the letter? The letter is the law, the, okay. the written yeah. law. The letter the that's what I, okay. that you will follow. You know, you've heard that. In fact, that's a, that's kind of one of those sayings in our vernacular, right? It's the letter of the law. Well, the letter oh, comes it's from it's the Bible, right? Writing. Yeah. <laughs> So, 1 Corinthians three sixteen. Do you not know that you are a temple of the holy? Uh, sorry, you are a temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So, when we look at the Spirit there, oh, Spirit gives life. So you have the Spirit of God in you. That Spirit gives life. Of course, that's that's also the same way we're regenerated, right? So then, um, and of course, that is the question: What is meant by the letter? It's it's. Um, It's not of the letter of the law. It's not of the old covenant. It's the new covenant, right? It's the new covenant in Christ. Okay. Any questions about that? So then, where does our adequacy come from? It comes from God, right? It's not within us. Now, what does that mean, though? Does that mean that we are being always directed What's our part in all this? Is right. that a trick question? Is it a tr- <laughs> do you have a trick <laughs> we answer? We're guided by the spirit, right? But what does that mean? We're guided does that see how do I ask this question? It's through the word. It is through the word, right? And you, you like uh, Col- Colossians three three sixteen, right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's the parallel to that is then is the constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. When those two things take place, then and you are yielding up your will to the Word, to the Holy Spirit, that is how you are enabled to be obedient. Your adequacy doesn't come from within the sinful person, but it comes from the Word and the Holy Spirit working within us as we yield to the direction. And if we don't yield, what are we doing?
2: We're, disobedient.
0: We're being disobedient, right? We are grieving the Holy Spirit. right? So then that is how it, the difference between, and if you think about the bigger picture here, slave of sin, slave of righteousness. A person who is a slave of sin is going to sin. They don't have the capacity not to sin. Now they can They can choose to sin here and there or what sins they're going to commit. But they're going to sin because they're sinners, right? And a believer who is now a slave of righteousness has the Holy Spirit working within them so that they can turn away from sin. Are we perfect at it? We're not perfect. We're going to sin still. But in the process of sanctification as you go through your life, sin should be less and less and less and less and less a long answer for that. Uh, let's see. Okay. So, uh, Sheila, can you read that one?
2: Hebrews 18. this is the covenant that will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people.
0: Mm-hmm. So where is he written, his law? It's on our hearts, right? So, and that's think about it. how do you know when you're doing wrong? Well, he's written it on your heart. What does that do to your mind? Right? When you think about it, is that not what stimulates the conscience? Yeah. Okay. And then Christians, you know, this one, being we talked about, but now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification, which is separation from sin, right? And the outcome. And what's the outcome? Eternal life. Eternal life, right? So we're freed from sin. Also, based on Romans six eighteen, which is is a, a similar passage to that. Um, so, if we're enslaved to someone, if we are enslaved to someone, who, is, who do we serve? We serve that person we're enslaved to, right? And so, for the person that is enslaved to God, then, who do we serve? We serve God, right? And if we serve God, what is our reward?
3: Eternal life. Eternal
0: life. Right? That's, a great, that's a great passage. Amen. Great passage. I mean, it's a great evangelistic passage, too. Right? Eternal life, here it is. Okay, um, next one. So we're free to serve, not under compulsion, but we love loving. Why? Because we love because he first loved us. If God didn't love us, what state would we be in? Lost, decay. Lost, decay, no hope, right? John 3, 16, for God so love the world he said his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life if he didn't love first there was there's no hope for anyone and then love sums up the Christian motivation for obedience um, this is Jesus speaking to the people you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul. With all your mind. Mm-hmm. So, what does that mean? What does that look like? I should say, what does that actually look like? How does a person do that?
2: Walk in
0: obedience.
2: Mm-hmm. to hmm um, it, it, it does have a lot of application.
0: Uh, it's, it does, right? And then we look at these. What is the difference here? You can look at soul, right? And mind. And and um, sometimes body is in there, right? Your 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 whole per- It means every, of every part of you, right? You can you separate the soul and the mind, or the heart and the mind? And those are kind of interchangeable terms sometimes. But um, when a person dies, where does their conscience, the consciousness, go? Well, that's the soul, right? When a person, if you look at in uh, uh, Luke, for instance, Luke sixteen, when you have the um, the parable there of the rich man and Lazarus, who both died, so they're dead. Their bodies are not, you know, their their bodies are not in heaven or paradise or in uh, in Gehenna. I think they use that term there but their souls are, right? But they're fully conscious and their memories and everything else are with them. So that is what goes, the body dies and the soul goes on. The soul is everything in your mind, everything you think, that's all part of the soul, right? If you look at it this way, this is a kind of a, you couldn't do this analogy, you know, like 60 years ago, but you can now. If you look at a computer, for instance, right? You have a computer, and inside the computer, you have this motherboard, You can look at the motherboard kind of like as our brain. But the, the motherboard by itself doesn't do anything until you put in the software, right? And then the software, which is akin to our conscience or our soul, that's what does all of the configuring and the computations that go on. But separate, the motherboard... The brain and the outer part which is the body without without the the software inside is just a dead body. So when we die, like our software, you know, goes, our soul goes and the carcass stays.
3: Kay. Until it's resurrected.
0: Until <laughs> Yeah. That's a good one too. Well, just as a side note, you know, that's why. Some people were always uh, against cremation. Yeah. Like, oh. Because if you cremate a person, there's nothing left. How is God, How is their body gonna come up out of the earth to meet their, you know, their soul when they back come back, back down? I, okay, exactly. I think God knows. <laughs> Let, let's go back to what R.C. Sproul says is there's not a rogue molecule in the whole universe. God knows where every molecule is that he needs to bring up that body. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, good point. Good. Okay, so the call of God wants us completely and we can serve him by denying oneself. So what does that look like? Uh, Michael, can you read that? Uh,
1: look, 9 23. Then he said to all the if anyone desires to come out,
0: So, let's look at practically speaking, what does that mean to deny oneself? Deny oneself.
2: Your desires, right? Your, your yep. wants and your what's like a death to yourself to live for Christ.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, just as a easy description, you, see, you do this every day. You do it all the time. You do it when you help somebody, right? I mean, let's just say we're in the food line and it just opened up and you could be like the first in line and you're really really hungry. but there's somebody here that needs help. So what do you do? Yeah. No, you knock them down and you go get in line. Right? <laughs> that ain't denying oneself that's that's like feeding one day. No. So what you do what you, you deny yourself and you desire like, you can wait you help that person maybe it's a child whatever they get their food and then you know and then you get your food. So you've Selfies. denied yourself it's it's yeah it's too. It's to put others before yourself. And so in this case, it's, it's following what God's commands are, even if we don't want to do it. So that's denying oneself. And when um, this, is, this is the first time that, that Christ mentions the word cross to his apostles. Do you know what they thought of the cross at the time? It, the, the Romans used it as uh, a means of execution it was the the worst form of execution there was it was the most humiliating uh, way okay. to be executed because you the, typically the person being executed is up on a cross naked in front of everybody that walks by and and you know is yelling at him talking to him calling them all kinds of names and whatever else they're doing to humiliate that person and so when they heard that they say, you need to deny yourself. You need to take up your cross and follow me. For them, when the first time they heard that, that had to be a shocking statement. What do you mean, follow? What do you mean, pick up my cross? Because condemn. What did Christ have to do when he was walking up, you know, the the the, the road there to Galilee? I mean, to uh, um, the skull, Golgotha. He had to carry his own cross. So criminals had to carry their own cross, and so. Uh, more than likely, they've seen it. They knew it. They, it was a, it was just a despicable way to die. And then here's Jesus telling them, "Pick up your cross and follow me." Follow you where? Is that because normally you pick up a cross, they're going to the place of crucifixion. So they understood what that meant. Mm-hmm. And then the other is by offering ourselves, right? So I beseech you, therefore, brethren. By the mercy of the God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Right? So then the note here I have is um, present your body as a living sacrifice. Under the old, this is key, under the old covenant, God accepted sacrifices of dead animals, right? That was, that was the prescribed method of sin um, remission, right? The remitting of sin was through the sacrifice of animals. But, because of Christ's ultimate sacrifice, the Old Testament sacrifices are no longer of any effect. For those in Christ, the only acceptable worship is to offer themselves completely to the Lord. Okay, and that is not a list of do's and don'ts. Some people like this. This is a long one. Um, But... Wherefore, wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to its ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments of men, which things indeed have a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, but not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh." If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on the things above, not on things there. So, what is the one thing that all religions love to do? They love to set up rules, right? This is the Catholic church, you know. This is the the religion of do's and don'ts, right? But, in, in a true worship, it isn't do's and don'ts, right? It is a uh, mind change to want to be obedient to what Christ says. So then, how do we become more obedient? Mm, well, take every thought captive. Michael, can you read that one?
1: 2 Corinthians 10:5 casting down arguments and very high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the the obedience of Christ
0: right. let me read what John MacArthur says about this so what does it mean to take every thought captive what does that look like it's the total destruction of the fortress of human and satanic wisdom and rescuing of those inside from the damning lies that they had been enslaved to so has anyone ever been able to master this command only Jesus right so it's difficult. But this is the goal, is to take every thought. And when he's referring here to fortresses of human and satanic wisdom, what is that? This is all of the world's system that is set up against God, that tells the lies to keep people from believing, right? It's, oh, it's all the evolution that goes on. It's all of the uh, uh, governments that are out there that are anti-God, Um It's all of the systems that are in place to purposefully prevent people from knowing who God is. I mean, it's in our own country. We have um, practices that have been in place. I don't want to say laws or practices that say, oh, well, you can't talk about God in, and you name it, school, work, here, there, here, all those things. And so what he's saying is is that... We cast down all those arguments. We take every thought captive, and the captive the, the thought that we take captive is that there's only one way to salvation. People need to hear it. And that's it. Mm-hmm.
3: Right?
0: And so we're obedient in that way as well. But we don't believe any of the falsities that are out there. Right? Like, how old is the <laughs> earth? Does the Bible say? I
3: believe in a um,
1: young earth. <laughs> yeah, what does the
0: Bible say, right? So, yeah, those things are all set up. Um, and then dwell on the things that are good, right? Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So, if you if you're doing this, what are you meditating on? You're meditating on God, you're meditating on Christ, you're meditating on His creation, you're meditating on everything that's good, right? All good things come from above, right? And so if you're meditating on those good things, you're not going to be drawn into what? You know, the satanic culture. Yeah. They're, thinking, they're literally thinking the opposite of that, of, of the world. And then you set your things on things above, right? If you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Right? So easy to get wrapped up in all the stuff going on. In fact, that's what social media is all about. Wrapping people up in all the nonsense that goes on all around. It. I'm, I still haven't got my uh, space set up.
2: <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> still, still working on it. My space
0: was eons ago. Mm-hmm. Well, I still love that commercial. The lady there, you know, and she had she had all her friends yeah. on a, a picture of her friends on eight by eleven on the wall, posting notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking you off MySpace. <laughs> Pull a friend down. I didn't see that. That was yeah, cool. Hilarious, yeah. So Okay. Uh, let's see, I think I had to go back sorry. There we go. Yeah. And then we'd be holy in our actions, right? Peter says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, for it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Okay. Um, in verse 14, so um, it says, how does it say to be obedient children then? Be obedient children. It says to not be conformed. Right. So when we talk about the word um, to repent, what is what does that word really mean? I mean, we're going to say it means turning from sin. Right. Okay. The word turning. So you're turning from and you're, you're turning to. Right. So this is saying don't be conformed to the former lust. In other words. Don't turn here to the former lust but turn to righteousness, turn to obedience in Christ. So that's that's the repentance, and then the sanctification is literally we we continue to grow away from, we separate from those former lusts in time in in actions, and then we're to be conformed to who? Be holy. Be holy. He is holy. That's the goal. And then Ephesians 5 1 2 said, Be imitators of God. Well, you know, when Paul wrote this, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. If we understood this and could do this, then he wouldn't have needed to go any further, right? But then he goes on to explain uh, what that means. But and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering. And a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So then for us, it, you know, even Paul said, imitate me as I imitate, imitate Christ, right? So that's our, our goal in life should be to, um, to imitate God. And how do we know how to do that? Where do we understand that or where do we learn what that means? his word right and then who was God on earth it was Jesus Christ so we imitate Christ okay so what's the struggle we all fall short right? Sheila can you read that
2: James 3 2 for we all stumble in many things if anyone does not stumble in, in word he is a perfect man Able
0: also to grow the whole body. Hmm. Yeah. So even though we are doing the things just mentioned, we all we all stumble. Right. This is hard not to. Right. But what does Paul say? Well, Paul <coughs> Paul, who wrote most of the Uh, the the New Testament epistles, right? He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate to do, that I do. And what is it he hates to do? Sin. Sin. He hates to sin, but yet he still sins, right? If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. What is he referring to? What does he mean by that? The sin that dwells in him. The old man. Yeah, it's his old man, right? Is that What are we all but fallen creatures to start with, right? And so, when you become a believer, does that somehow change everything about you? Do you still have that body of sin that that you were born with? Yeah. Right? And so Paul, same thing here, he's saying is that it's not him that is doing it. not what he wants to do, but yet it's this body of sin that he has with him and he is still sinning.
1: Yeah, forever. It took me it took me forever to realize what he was saying in that until yeah. about a year or two ago.
0: Yeah, it is a toughie because of the way it's you know, yeah, yeah. And like Yeah.
1: Then all of a sudden it just clicks one day and what Oh, that's funny he means.
0: <laughs> Right? Yeah. And so, uh, then he goes on, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. So there is a struggle with doing right, with being constantly obedient, right? And it's because there's always there's a always the drag from the flesh that pulls people. So it's the overcoming is the difficult part.
1: Yeah, you know, uh kind of think that what he's saying it's easier to do wrong than to do good.
0: Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I would say so, right? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because if it was if it was easier to do good than to do wrong, then there would be a whole lot more good people. Right? Even even unsaved people, right? But no, they do what their nature is. Right? Yeah, that's a good one. So, for the good that I will to do, I do not do; but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Right? So he's dealing with the same things we are. And Paul, this is after he had been given revelation from Jesus Christ for three, three plus years in Arabia, after seeing him in the road to Damascus. So Paul has a struggle with sin. We have a struggle with sin. Mm-hmm. So don't,
2: I don't know who says it. Who
3: says that? Paul
0: says that. But he buffets his body, yeah. Does his body? He buffets it. Buffet. Not buffet. buffet. Not, buffet. <laughs> Not buffet. It's the same spelling, y'all, but it will fit right in Tennessee. Buffet. He beats his body into submission is what it means, yeah. So Because it's, it, it's oh, going back to one of the verses we did before, it's the lust, the previous lust of the flesh, right? See what's next. Paul had a convicting heart, but he had a struggle with sin. So obedience, though, is a mark of a true uh, salvation. So, and love for God is a mark of true salvation, right? So, beloved, let, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. There is one who does not love, does not know God, for God is love. And I think we've we talked about it before, but it's like it, when you talk about fellowship, can you have true fellowship with an unbeliever? Yeah. you can have friendship, you know, but to, you know there's something missing. And what's missing? It's it's the love that comes from the Father, and it's in believers, and there's a love for the the, the believers for one another. And the obedience is proof of our relationship with Christ, knowing Christ as Lord, right? And then it's reflected in our obedience, and this is our memory verse, right? By this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. And by this we know that we are in him. So when somebody asks, sometimes they're like, Well gee, I don't know if I'm saved.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right here, it's a good verse. Are you obedient to Christ? Is that your desire? To always be obedient to Christ, even though we stumble. But if you if you're obedient to Christ, by this we know that we are in him. Okay. So, from uh, John MacArthur's book, Faith Works, real faith, saving faith, is all of me, mind, emotion, and will, embracing all of him, Savior, advocate, provider, sustainer, counselor, and Lord. Those who have such faith will love Christ. So, examples of disobedience and obedience. So, what are... What are some external evidences or consequences of disobedient behavior? Uh, Romans 1 26, 27. Michael, could you read those two? Uh,
1: for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the nature, natural use of, of the woman. Burned in their lust for one another, in with men committing what is shameful, and receiving themselves the penalty of their error, which is due.
0: So then, this is the result of people in sin. Right? This is the denying of the denying of God, and as a result, they're even given over to more sinfulness. I right? think we've we've covered that that particular section quite a bit but um, just as a side does anyone ever really get away with sin? No. Uh, No. And what is the penalty? Well in verse 32 here there's a there's a statement is that those who not only those who do such things are deserving of death but those who approve of such things are deserving of death. So there's a there's the, um, the people who are acting in a certain way and then there's a, a group of people who are approving and cheering on and, and you, can, you can see that type of behavior at a parade, mm-hmm. right? What type of parade? I'm not gonna say, you put it on there. <laughs> so but yeah, those and uh, unfortunately they have them right here in this city. So consider Zechariah 7, 11 through 14. Kimberly, can you read that?
3: made their hearts like flint, refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by His Spirit through the former prophets. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it happened that just as He, had, just as he proclaimed and they would not hear, so they called out and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. Mm-hmm. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations which they had not known. Thus the land became desolate after them so that no one passed through or returned for
0: they made the pleasant land a discipline. Yeah. So, mm, so how did these people react to God's instruction? They refused. Well, they refused it, right? They refused to hear it here and say, turn their hearts like flint. You know what flint is, right? Mm-hmm. Flint, very hard, kind of stone, where you can chip it against another rock and create a spark. Used to be the Boy Scout way of creating a fire out in the, you know, Smokies or something. So. <laughs> Yeah, and so, and then what happens later in this passage, when, when they call on God, he doesn't listen. Yeah, right. He doesn't listen. He doesn't listen. Now, in the New Testament, was a kind of a parallel passage in uh, Peter, right? First uh, Peter three, seven. Then he talks about husbands are to live with their wife in an understanding way, and then underneath this, is, so that their prayers will not be. Hindered, right? So, because that, there's a command there to live with your wife in an understanding way. If you're not doing that, that's sin. Therefore, if you're in sin in that way, then it's going to affect your prayer life, right? And what's the solution to that? 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, therefore, if you are cleansed from unrighteousness, what does that make you? Righteous. And what does it say in, in uh, uh, James 5, I think 5, 16 or 17? The fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much, right? So that's how you have an enhanced prayer life, right? Is so we're obedient, first off. When we're not obedient, we're confessing, and then we're praying. Okay, so, Christ's example of obedience was what? Was to, Jesus said, that my food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish, whose work? His, his work. Finish his work. Yeah. So, to refer to God's plan of redemption there. Oops. Okay, so, to do the, the will of his Father. And then, even when facing the cross, what was his attitude? It was... Saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Luke 22, 42. I mean, so even though it's a difficult thing that Jesus was about to do, whose will was he determined to carry out? It was the will of the Father, right? So how does that apply to us in our life? Well, even in difficult circumstances, we still want to do what we are supposed to. We want to be obedient, right? Even when it's hard. I mean, there's a myriad of examples all the time. You know, an easy way out is, you know, to gloss over something that you're supposed to report. And you don't want to report it because maybe somebody's gonna get in trouble. Sometimes that's, you still need to do that, right? You need to do it because if that's what the rules say, and that's what happens, I mean, were you the one who broke the rules? No. But nonetheless, it's a hard thing to do, but that's what being obedient is. Doing those hard things. And um, so, to what extent was Jesus willing to be obedient? Philippians 2 8. And, he, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And only to add that, not just death, but even the most humiliating way to die. And so this is a good question is that sometimes, you know, think about this for a minute. We wouldn't necessarily know everything that's going to happen to us if we are going that same path, right? We only know it and only experience as it happens, right? But Jesus, because he is omniscient, he knew everything, every step that was going to take. Th- he knew everything that was going to happen. Sometimes it's like you, you don't want to know what's going to happen. Right? You know, people say, well, "Do you want to know when you're going to die or how you're going to die?" I, say, uh-uh. I don't want to know that. But he knew everything. He knew he knew every every lash he was going to take. Um, he knew the spear that he was going to take in the side. I mean, there was there was nothing that he didn't know ahead of time. But yet did it anyway right so okay so promises and blessings of being obedient what are some of the blessings um, that are promised to us if we're obedient well if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love right so we'll have the love of, of jesus John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So not only is, is he our savior, he's our friend, right? He abides with us. John, 1 John 3, And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Again, so this goes back to Prayer. Can we expect that our prayers are going to be answered if we're not being obedient to his commands? No. no. And then, what does Jesus compare the life of a person who hears and obeys his word? Oh. Yeah. Um, Sheila, can you read that one?
2: Matthew 7, 24-27. Then for whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will walk into a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the flood came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, It was fathomed on the rock. But, if, but if everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, he will like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the flood came, and the winds blew and beat down that on that half that it fell, mm, mm. and a great with its father. Great, on so this little song. It was in my head. Yeah, you were
0: that. And rain came down. <laughs> love that. That was a great song in the kids' uh, ministry. Um, so then, if we hear the sayings of Jesus and do them, what are we like? We're the wise man, right? And then the reverse of that is, of course, if we hear the sayings of Jesus and don't do them. Then what are we like? The foolish man. A foolish man, right? Okay, so, I mean, there's a, so much wrapped up in this in other passages, but uh, what, is a, what is the uh, psalm that says it's a fool who says in his heart there is no God? Mm-hmm. Okay, so if a person is disobedient, what is that evidence of? Lack of belief. And so a person then who doesn't follow or doesn't obey the commandments has either a lack of belief, or maybe not even saved, right? That's the world. And then they are foolish. They're fools. It's foolish, isn't it? Think about it. Just think about this. What's the best way to live? The best way to live is following the word of God, right? And those who don't, or they, they, they turn away from that, they don't believe it, and they say, well, I just got to go live my life and do whatever I want to do, end up in hell. We would say, oh, it's a foolish way to live, given the fact that there was an alternative that's infinitely better. So areas of obedience, tough part. So in a typical relationship we face in our daily lives, such as parents, children, employers, employee, wives, husband, it becomes obvious that obedience isn't always easy. But what does God expect when obedience is difficult? Obey Obey anyway. Obey anyway, right? Yeah, it's tough, it's hard, right? You still have to obey. So we're similarly accountable to God in the way that we wield our authority over others. We can make it difficult for those who are accountable to God to obey us. Right? There's nothing worse than making it hard for somebody to um, to obedient to be obedient. When as a boss, maybe you're just like being really, you know, mean, rotten, or something to somebody. But yet you expect them, even though you're in a bad mood, you expect them to be carrying through with what they're supposed to do. So, how can parents make it difficult for their children to obey? Well, fathers do not exacerbate your children so that they will not lose heart, right? So, children can be easily easily um, um, discouraged, dissuaded from being obedient. So, that's, that's one way that parents need to be particularly careful. And then, um, how can husbands make it difficult for wives to submit? Well, if husbands don't love their wives and are embittered towards them, makes it, I mean, you know, does anybody want to be obedient to a person who is just a grouch all the time, mean, rotten, no. So. It's also incumbent upon us to be, the, um, to be obedient to God's word as well so that what we are displaying to people encourages them in obedience. Right? Because the opposite is true. If we're going to be mean and rotten, it's hard for somebody to want to joyfully submit. It doesn't excuse them, but nonetheless, you know, it makes it hard. And then every Christian should desire to obey God, right? I delight to do your will. Oh, my God, your law is within my heart. So We should want to submit ourselves to Christ's lordship, viewing ourselves as obedient slaves of Christ. So uh, Ephesians 6.6 says, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart so it's like this have you ever seen somebody who's at work and the only time they're working hard is when the boss is there Mm -hmm. and the rest of the time they're just slackers like don't do anything anytime so that's the ones who are I they're doing it for eye service just men pleasers right but we're told really to do all things as unto the Lord right, regardless of whether the boss sees us or not and then our obedience is, is, is uh, the treasure of our hearts, right? So then the good man, Luke 6, 45 and 46, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks that from which fills his heart. So why do you, in the example, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And this, this leads directly into a little... Um, Debate that took place a while ago. So then, does a person have to repent of their sin and yield to Christ's authority in order to be saved? Do you have to repent of sin and yield to Christ's authority in order to be saved? Yeah. Okay. So you guys come from, you know, a solid church. Other churches would tell you, no, you just have to make a profession you just had to say the prayer, him. Right? Yeah, you yeah. just had to accept him, right? And then, but then there, there's no no fruit, there's no change, right? So then, is Christ Savior only, or is He Lord? Okay. So let's go on a little bit here. There's the no, no lordship view, meaning, oh, He's if He's your Savior. That's all you need. You don't have to be obedient. Just accept him as your savior. So Dr. Charles Ryer says this, Repentance is a change of mind about Christ. No turning from sin is required for salvation. And that's in his book right there, So Great Salvation, page 96 and 99. Submission to Christ's supreme authority as Lord is not germane to the saving transaction. Neither dedication nor willingness to be dedicated to Christ are issues in salvation. So Greatest Salvation, page 71 through 79. Okay, so then here's the Lordship view by uh, John MacArthur. He says that repentance is not just a change of mind. It is a change of heart. Repentance is the context of the new birth means, which means turning from sin and to the savior repentance turns from sin to christ and faith embraces him as the only hope of salvation and righteousness the object of faith is christ himself not only a creed or a promise faith therefore involves personal commitment to christ and these are the two these are kind of two big divides in you know christian churches you have this Arminianist view as one thing and then it's well I received him as my savior and so I'm saved but yet there's no, there's no obedience there's no turning from sin there's no repentance and then there's the other view which is that if you are truly saved then there is a repentance that's taken place and there is a turning to Christ and there is a following and, and he is the Lord so and I think I have a quote here no so, it goes like this. To some, uh, he will be... No, to everyone, Jesus will be their Lord. But only to some will he be their Lord and Savior. Right? So, remember that verse is at, uh, in, in Philippians, right? Is that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow uh, under the on the earth, no, in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, right? And it and the difference there being is that of course those in heaven are those who are believers and the others, well if it's if it's on earth, there's the potential believers on, and unbelievers, but under the earth for sure everybody would be those who died and went to hell. But they're all going to call him Lord. But only those who believe are going to call him Savior. And that's the that's the difference between the lordship view versus the non-lordship view. So, just to review, then we covered the call to obedience. Um, obedience marks a true believer. Examples of obedience and disobedience. The promises and blessings of obedience. Areas of obedience. Our attitude towards obedience and application. So, any questions on anything we covered? Okay, so next week, listen to the message, bring in any past due homework, and we didn't have any CDs anymore. That's like MySpace. (laughs) So then let me hand out the quiz.